It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome into the post-Vikings-Lions Thanksgiving Day Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with Judd Zolgad here, a 30-23 to win for the Minnesota Vikings. And Judd, I guess for at least the next 10 days, we can put Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater talk on hold. Uh, most definitely, and and let me make clear though why I think that that's that is uh, <clears throat> I guess I've got, got to use the word again why that is the case. Um, <laughs> in the last in the last two games, because I keep getting these tweets about, do you want to make the change now? In the last two games, Matthew uh, Keenum has done nothing to lead me to believe that he shouldn't be playing. I think what people forget is Baltimore, Cleveland, and Washington. There, there were things that happened where you said, okay, I sort of get why Zim's on edge. The last two games, that has not transpired. So so the difference between those three games and the past two games is there has been little to nothing that would make you to believe a change should be made. Yep, That's I, my feeling. Yep, I totally agree. There were a few things in the Rams game that I think frustrated Mike Zimmer still. Uh, One was that throw to Adam Thielen where he just lobbed it up there and Thielen got it. But I went back on the tape and found two or three other instances of Keenum being a little overly aggressive. He did have one of those today. It probably should have been a pass interference, but when you look at it, he was launching the ball up into double coverage. Probably not what Mike Zimmer wanted him to do with the lead, but overall today... Maybe one other throw I can think of at the end of the game when they're going down to kick that field goal to go up seven, and he just kind of flings it in McKinnon's direction. The linebacker wasn't looking, so nothing happened. But other other than those two throws, though, it was mostly safe play from Case Keenum and once again got great yards after catch from Stephon Diggs. He made an excellent throw to drop it in the bucket to Kyle Rudolph for a touchdown, but it was a lot of middle of the field, drop it off, moving the sticks, not making mistakes, and it seems like any time this team gets third and less than seven, it, it seems like they convert it every single time. There was another Jarius Wright sighting today on a third down. They go to Kyle Rudolph all the time. Adam Thielen was there when Case Keenum had to move, and right, I, this has never been about bench Keenum now because he's playing so poorly. 
it's always been about two things. Is this going to continue with Case Keenum, or is he going to be uh, a Nick Foles that is good for just a very short period of time and then never does anything again, or a uh, Jeremy Lin in basketball or many of the baseball players who have come up and hit 10 home runs in a month or something? We see hot stretches in sports all the time. Is this the real deal? And uh, the other part of it is what's the real offensive potential for this team with great quarterback play. But over the last couple of weeks, I'd say the last three weeks, minus that second half in Washington, Judd, this has been great quarterback play. Exactly. Yes. There, there, has, been, there has been, in the last two games, there has been no definitive play or definitive mistake or half where you would say to yourself, I'd lift him now. And if he can continue down this path, then guess what? He's going to play. So... So really, in my mind, this conversation uh, that, that we've been that we've certainly had for quite some time ended. The last time that it was a viable discussion was post Redskins game, and that was after the two bad picks in the second half of that game. But these last two games, he's played fine. He's played really, really well at times. He one thousand percent with how he's performed against the Rams and Detroit today deserves to continue to be the starting QB of this team. So to answer your question, yes, this conversation uh, until a week from Sunday against the Falcons, if something changes there, this conversation for now is done. Case Keenum is your starting quarterback, and it's not worth a lot more exploratory talk beyond that. I would still say, though, that uh, the pregame show on Fox was talking about why doesn't Mike Zimmer just name him the starting quarterback for the rest of the year? I don't like the idea of painting yourself into a corner like that because if Keenum starts to fall off and this doesn't work anymore and teams start to figure out some sort of solution to stop him or slow down Adam Thielen, then you've made yourself kind of look silly or look bad as a leader of the team by naming the guy the starter and then going back on your word. I mean, it kind of reminds me like of Bill O'Brien in, in Houston when he named somebody the starter last year and then benched them one game in and then named Tom Savage the starter this year and benched him one game in. I mean, it, it, it makes you look bad as a head coach, and I think it makes you question that coach's leadership if they're saying things and then changing their mind quickly after that based on what happened. It makes you look reactionary. Instead, they can slow play this because, A, Teddy yes. Bridgewater's a great teammate, Keenum's playing really well, and if you've got to eventually turn to Bridgewater – I think uh, you'd have the support of the team. I don't think that a lot of people, you, you probably are going to wait until everyone is kind of on the same page. Now with these last three games, he he's bought himself a lot of rope, right? So if he struggles next week, he's probably still the starter after that. It's just as Mike Zimmer, can you find out whether Teddy Bridgewater is good to go somewhere within the next few weeks? I thought, Judd, that it was going to happen today. When they got up early, I thought one more score and we're going to see Teddy Bridgewater. And, <laughs> that didn't and happen. No, it did not. And instead, a, a number of different things led to Bridgewater not playing. So I, I think this right. is this is very much, I will copy the football men, Judd, and say this is a week-to-week thing. There, there, are, there are two things at, at work here. The media and fans want Zim uh, to say, Case is my guy, just because we sort of do. Well, you're not going to, to do that. The only compelling reason to get up to a podium and say Case Keenum is my starting quarterback is if there was dissension or questions in the locker room. Right. That's why you do that. You don't do it because you, you think to yourself, man, you know what the you know what the press would really like today? They'd like me to name a starting quarterback for the rest of, of 
the year. Mike Zimmer doesn't give a damn about that. So the only reason why he would get up there and say, this is my guy, and damn it, I'm not changing, is if he felt the locker room had to hear that. They don't. This is, I'll go back to what I've been saying now for three weeks. This is not a controversy. This is a choice. There's a big, a controversy divides players and locker rooms and can become a big problem and can sabotage a team's chances. A choice doesn't. This is a choice. This is not something where he in any way, shape, or form has to go to Keenum, Teddy, or the rest of that room and say, guys, I'm going down this road, so shut up. I don't think the players are concerned. I think the players like both guys, and I think if you start either one, they're fine. And this reminds me a lot of last year with Dallas, with Dak Prescott. Now, Dak Prescott was a rookie, so you don't know what the potential is there. It's a little different in that way. With Case Keenum, you just can't get it out of your mind what the guy's history was before this. He wouldn't be the only quarterback ever to have a poor first couple of years as a backup and mixing in starter, let's say like Rich Gannon, and then all of a sudden turn it on and have great years. I mean, he would not be the first guy ever to have that happen. Uh, But, you know, in Dallas, what they went through, I think the entire team was on board with just rolling with Dak Prescott. They had a lot of the same things. Great running game, great offensive line, great weapons, great offensive coordinator. They had all that going for them, and Prescott was winning, so they didn't decide to turn back to Tony Romo. And, And that's probably where we stand now. If Dak Prescott had had two or three games where he melted down in a row and struggled and they lost, that never happened. But if it did, they probably would have turned back to Tony Romo at the end of the season. And I think that still remains a possibility with Teddy Bridgewater. But now I think instead of looking exactly to next week, how does he play? Do we bench him? Now you're saying, well, he's got to struggle next week and probably the week after. And Judd, I'm starting to think with Pat Shermer that I don't know if anyone could struggle. I mean, his game plans and play calling over the last couple of weeks have just, I mean, over the whole season, it's been good. Over the last couple of weeks, it's been incredible. Well, I, I would say this. If uh, if there was any questions in fans' mind uh, prior to today, if, if Pat was going to get a head coaching opportunity, a lot of the nation, including a lot of teams, had today off and sat down and said, that's a good coordinator. Uh, he's going to get a chance, and I would say if there's also questions about is Case going to get paid, that was answered today as well. So um, if any, if those two, if Case or Pat were, were flying uh, below radar even slightly until today, they're not now. And Shermer's been fantastic. I mean, he has taken – I give these guys credit, Collar, because of this. Rick Spielman did, in, in my opinion, and we've certainly – and I have criticized him previously – He did a very good job of going grocery shopping, right? He went out and went grocery shopping and he got the, the personnel pieces to the puzzle to rebuild a line, which was a disaster last year and has been outstanding this year. He went out and, and he's the guy who said Peterson's gone. I mean, I'm sure there were a few folks in that decision, but he was a key one in saying, Adrian's gone. We're going to go get new backs or, you know, McKinnon's going to play more anyway. He, Rick did a great job with that, and Pat has done an unbelievable job of taking the groceries and cooking up a meal that is spectacular. Pat Shermer now, in my mind, and I know Viking fans don't want to lose him, but in my mind, with what he has shown you as a coordinator, with what he has shown you in going from a guy that prepared Bradford for months for the job, got one great game from Sam, and now turned the case, this guy 1,000% deserves a head coaching opportunity. And Great job. I mean, it, right. really, it really shows up, I think, in the red zone. 
where they seem to be unstoppable, whether it's handing off to Latavius Murray, a guy that they got specifically uh, to be an improvement over Mass- Matt Asiata at the goal line. And I would say that it's been a massive improvement <laughs> there. Uh, yes. But, I mean, the the play action plays and finding people wide open where you're not asking a whole lot of anybody just, you know, the play action today. And there's Kyle Rudolph just flipping the ball. He's wide open. There was the one where uh, David Morgan is wide open. You just have to flip him the ball for one, for a one yard touchdown. There was uh, an, I mean, that was last week. There was, there was an end around where they used Jarek McKinnon to go into the end zone. I mean, he's just found so many different ways to get this team in the end zone when they get down there, that it's the complete opposite from last year. I remember last year, the game against Jacksonville was really kind of close and Mm -hmm. it shouldn't have been because the Vikings were outplaying them by far. It's just that they couldn't punch the ball. in. we never feel that way. Now you never feel like once they get inside the 20, that they're going to struggle. It seems like they get a touchdown every single time. And you know, a part of that, a big part is probably, like you said, the improvement on the offensive line. They can pound in from one yard. And just the, the, the amount of weapons that he has. I would also look at Kyle Rudolph's usage as another reason to praise Pat Shermer, where he's kind of adjusted his role. And But today, you know, the last time they played Detroit, there were some opportunities down the field to Rudolph. And then here they are against Detroit using him again. Four catches on four targets for 63 yards. That's his best day of the year against an opponent that was giving that up the last time and gave it up this time too. I mean, it just seems like he's pushing every button the right way and it's working for everyone. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I would also say this Keenum's ability to move in the pocket is really impressive. Keenum's ability to keep plays alive. This offensive line, don't get me wrong, has been fantastic, and I give him a ton of credit. But Keenum's ability to keep plays alive is really, really impressive. And you see it more and more. Um, but his feel for pressure, it's so it's weird, too, because that, that first game against Pittsburgh, he got thrown in there and things didn't work well. And it was really clear that, that he and the line for that one game were not on the same page, collar. But since then... You watch him, and I mean, you just go back and watch his ability with his feet to adjust, to move, to feel pressure. And it's not even him outright scrambling all the time. It's just subtle moves. That, If there's one thing that that you would ask me about about Keenum, what has really stood out to me, that would be a top three thing because that that ability in this league is so huge. And the fact that he doesn't just have to stand there and look and look and look, and the fact that he can move even slightly and still keep his eyes down the field is is something that I think has led to a lot of that guy's success this year. Yeah, I think that uh, the play that you're talking about, he took a little shuffle step and kind of ducked his head and avoid a rusher and then kept his eyes downfield. And, I mean, it, it is nice for him to have Adam Thielen to throw to every time he's under pressure, it seems. He just finds number 19, and he's able to, to get a big chunk of yards. And I think that that helps him too, but... That's one of those things that seems to be natural with quarterbacks where you either have some sort of pocket presence or you don't. Yes, and agreed. Sam Bradford really didn't have great pocket presence, but he had many other things, you know, the arm strength, the accuracy to, to go down the field, to throw laser beams into tight windows. But you know what has been amazing about Pat Shermer going back to him is just that very few of Case Keenum's throws are ever asked to be into tight windows. How many were today? They're mostly in between zones. They're, the one that he made to Rudolph is a good throw. That's over the top, but it's not a laser beam in between 
to uh, defenders. It just he's never asked to do that. And yeah, it's not Favre like right. And it plays very much to Case Keenum's strengths, which mm-hmm. I, I think around the league is a, an issue for a lot of offensive coordinators playing exactly to what their players do well. And that Keenum has figured it out with Pat Shermer, and now this offense in the last three weeks has put up 92 points. So, now, yes, for now, you, the uh, Bridgewater talk is on hold because of that. Now, all of this being said, though, I still watch this offense, and I think to myself, if I'm a coordinator of a really good National Football League team that's going to meet the Vikings in the playoffs, I'm going to watch this offense enough to start to understand how to slow it. And and I say that because I don't know. I mean, the Vikings defense, um, it's not it it doesn't have a, a lot of holes but there are certain things you could probably exploit Rhodes uh, that, that calf today slowed him for sure but for the most part if i'm the vikings defense and i'm going into a playoff game i'm pretty damn confident i'm going to be really really good still right offensively i do think and because defensive coordinators basically uh lots of times don't sleep and do nothing but watch film and break things down offensively I do think we saw some things that that a Detroit defense, which is certainly suspect in uh, some areas, if not all at times, gave up today, can be slowed down. So so while I really appreciate how Case has played, while I really appreciate uh, how good the passing game can look at times, I am not convinced that if you meet a good defense, you can't slow it down. I'm not saying that you can entirely stop it. But I do believe uh, that there were things the Vikings exploited today that if you're playing a really competent defense, probably don't get exploited nearly the same. There's no question that the Lions' defense isn't very good. They had some trouble with both Deshaun Kaiser and Mitch Trubisky, and they allowed over 200 yards rushing the previous two weeks and then another 136 today. Uh, Latavius Murray with the big breakout run. Even though Jarek McKinnon ends up with a very poor yards per carry, he actually had a couple of good runs, but then he had a couple that went back like seven yards. Also yep. had a 31-yard screen pass, too. Um, I, you know, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, and I think we've seen it from time to time from opposing defenses. The first half from the Rams last week, they were able to slow him down. Uh, the second half from Washington. I, what, where I wonder about this offense is... What what is it going to look like when Case Keenum has to come from behind? Because they they've been playing ahead so often. I mean, think about today's game, and and right away you score a touchdown, great, you drive down the field, and then you're just given another touchdown, a f- an <laughs> absurd fumble that should never happen in the NFL. I, there I are, laugh, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, there are prep bowl teams who have never had that happen, right? Yep. So. Yep. Eden Prairie's never had that happen. No. So you're given this insane, hilarious fumble and a 14-point lead right away to play with. And on a weekly basis, they were down at Cleveland, but you never really actually felt down there. Where have been the other times through this stretch where they've actually had to play catch-up or even outside of the Washington game match for scoring? But even then, though, they got way up, and then they allowed Washington to come back. You wonder if in a playoff game – or over these next couple of weeks when they play Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, if we're going to see situations where it's them who is down seven early or them who is down 14 early, and then how how do they handle that going forward? How do defenses uh, prepare for them when they've got to throw all the time and they don't have the threat to run the ball as successfully as they did today? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree, and... 
you could see today when when Detroit closed the gap to what four points in the fourth quarter. There is that correct? I think they got within four points. Mm-hmm. You could you could see the Vikings offensively start to. I don't want to say panic because it wasn't outright panic, but you could see them start to press a, a bit. Um, I will say this: your best hope offensively in a playoff game, probably in my opinion, is Shermer himself, uh, because Keenum Keenum, you can see him start to get a little bit nervous. Uh, I don't want to go as far as as rattled, but when things start to get tight, his demeanor can definitely change. So I think what we what you have to count on, if you're a Vikings fan, what you need to rely on is the fact that you have so much faith in Shermer uh, to control the system and make the right play call that he is ultimately going to be the one to settle things down. I mean, I think this all goes back to how how Zimmer feels about his quarterbacks and about who he trusts and who he sort of trusts and who he outright doesn't trust. Um, but, yeah, to your point, I think if you're in a playoff game and I, I think if you are in a very tight game and you're down by seven or down by three, I think your biggest hope is to say, okay, Pat Trimmer has done such a good job so far that he is going to continue to actually make the right calls and be in control enough. Because uh, if you put this all in Keenum's hands – that's a lot to ask right there, Collar. That is a lot to ask. We'll see if we get a kind of a sneak preview of that scenario or if they just keep playing from ahead and then we get to find out in the playoffs. Well, that that's the next thing on the list, Judd, is the playoffs. I mean, you're now there, basically. I mean, you, you get to nine wins and you're usually in the playoffs anyway. They're nine and two. They've got a three-game lead on the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. almost could not botch this lead. I mean, this would this would be the equivalent of being up 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl and we know that that would net Well, that okay. So, they, all they need to do though is just take care of some business, especially at the end against Cincinnati, Green Bay, Chicago, those last 3 games, even if you lost these next 2, uh, you know that you've got the pretty soft end of the schedule and the Lions who to me are not a great team, would have to go bananas and win every game the rest of the way to even give themselves a shot. This game right here locked up the division in my eyes. It's done. I agree completely. I mean, if you had lost this game, the division gets tighter. You're now 0-2 against Detroit. That could have certainly caused some problems. I think it's done. I think this. we are now sitting at a point where you are looking at what, for the first time since 2009. 2009, I believe at this point the Vikings were ten and one. They're now nine and two. Um, but as far as the division being wrapped up, as far as as trying to look down the road at your prospects, I think the most important thing now is you. It's to focus on your team. It's to focus on on what you can improve on. But as far as being concerned, that's done. And so now the the question is basically this: How do you fare against the good teams? What do you need to work on still? Um, you know, I suppose, I suppose it's a lot of internal things, but yes, I'm, I'm with you completely. I think if you are, if you are examining your chances now, you're in the playoffs, the division has been won. And so your next thing is, can you get the first round by because the first round by is going to help you. And of course that would come, I believe, uh, for certain with home field as well. So the next step is that the next step is the first round by and getting home field going into your first playoff game, which would be in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, Judd, I don't want to gloss over some of the things that happen on defense entirely, but I feel the same way that you do from what you texted me during the game, that Harrison Smith didn't have a good game, Xavier Rhodes didn't have a good game, uh, Trey Wayans gave up a big play down the field, but 
who cares? I mean, when you're talking about a game that happens a few days after you play the Los Angeles Rams and you've got to go on the road for one of these Thursday games, I don't think that how things look in a game like today on defense is really indicative of what you are. I wouldn't expect Harrison Smith to have bad games very often or Xavier Rhodes to give up uh, too many passes very often. I think this defensive performance was mostly a product of just what the situation was. But I would, mm-hmm. al- I, I, w- I would also say this, though. Matthew Stafford, maybe he struggled a little bit because of that, too, because there were throws that Matthew Stafford left out there that I don't think he usually does. Here, okay, here's the thing about Thanksgiving Day football, which, by the way, at least two games I love. I grew up with it. I love it, okay? Previously, though, when you saw a horse bleep game like today on Thanksgiving, you said, but it's Thanksgiving Day and it's great to watch football. All today did was reinforce the farce that Thursday football has become, Collar. And it's a complete farce. It's not good football. I mean, the Detroit Lions in the first half look like absolute garbage. And I'm not saying they're great, but they're not that bad. The Vikings damn near collapsed. Um, and, and the only way, if I'm the Vikings, I apologize for that performance is if I lose the damn game. That's the only way. If you walk out of there with a W, which they did to win their ninth game of the year, then I don't care. I, I don't care. I mean... There's probably a case to be made that Rhodes shouldn't have played uh, today since he hurt the calf against the, the Rams, and he was clearly slowed. I mean, I am surprised that from the start of that game, Stafford didn't go at Rhodes more, and he went at Rhodes a lot. Um, but, yeah, if you look at that game, it just reinforced how bad Thursday football is. And if I'm a coach or, or I'm a team, there is no way that I'm ever going to apologize if I'm forced to play on Thursday for a win because to come back, I mean, you just played, if you're the Vikings, four days ago, you just played what you could consider to be at the time a season-defining type of game, right? I mean, it's the Rams, it's a really good team, you're, you're trying to gauge, are we as good as we think we are? You win that game, and then you're asked within the same week, four days, to, tr- to turn around and play. So, yeah, I mean, there is, I'm sure there's a lot that we could go through and nitpick and say the Vikings didn't play well here, and certainly the, the Lions didn't play well there. But this just, once again, shows us, because we have to watch this crap every single week now, what a bad idea Thursday is. It used to be previously, though, Thanksgiving was basically it, and so we we would just say it's great to watch football. The reality is it might be fun to watch, but did we get two super competitive teams today? Absolutely not, and it's not surprising. Uh, Judd, because I want you to eat all the turkey that uh, your wife is cooking or you guys are cooking together or whatever your plans are, if you're going to go out because you don't cook, uh, whatever it may be. I no, want to no, no. I want to let She's you cooking. get to that. So let's play. Right. Let's just play agree or disagree now. And, okay. Uh, agree or disagree. This was the worst refereed game you've ever seen in your entire life. Tony Crenny's crew should be uh, called in and suspended and or fired tomorrow for the rest. They should. I mean, that was awful. That was at every turn, that was awful. And and here's my biggest gripe, just quickly. My biggest gripe was the uh, reviewed call on the Lions touchdown that wasn't, that if the Lions had snapped the ball quicker, would have been a touchdown. That's a reviewable, that's a must-review play. To botch that review, which they clearly did the first time, is a fireball offense. That's ridiculous. The only reason they got that call right was because the Lions took too damn long to mm-hmm. attempt the PAT. I mean, how does that happen? How does the Diggs call not get made when he is tackled trying to catch a ball on a deep ball from Keenum, but yet we have 13 accepted penalties in the first half? That 
it just continues the trend of officiating, and it's partially on a rule book that's way too stupid and way too big. It was awful. Agree or disagree, I would rank the celebrations from the Vikings. First is Duck Duck, Goose slash Grey Duck. Number two, I will put the Thanksgiving dinner. I thought the Thanksgiving dinner was great. And then number three, I will go with, um, what was the other one with a uh, leapfrog? Leap, that's, how, that's how I would rank them, agree or disagree. I will agree. I will also say in Vikings fashion, in the playoffs, they will take a delay of game penalty on the four bath PAT because one of the one of those sellies goes too long. Mm, yeah, you got it. In, in fact, I believe Thielen aborted against the Rams, if I'm not mistaken. He did, yes. And, and I didn't ask him this, but I believe he aborted the celebration because the playcock was running down too quickly. Correct. Yes. Yep. So you, you're right. They're gonna. They're gonna. So you like my order, though, but they are going to yeah. have to speed it up a little bit. If they're going to get everybody involved, then you're going to have to get off the field. But uh, I, I like the Thanksgiving feast. At first, I was trying to figure out what it was. So I was a little confused. But then once they showed the replay, okay, I got it. There's the turkey and everybody's eating. And, and Kyle took like the mashed good. potatoes from Case Keenum. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yep, I got it. Their uh, pampa mining is uh, elite right now. Agree. I would say. Agree with you. Agree. Uh, agree or disagree, Judd, the Minnesota Vikings will finish this season with more than 12 wins. Oh, uh, I think I can't believe I'm saying this. I think I might have to agree now. I mean, they're going to win. I think they're going to beat the Falcons and, and or Carolina and probably lose one. But boy, you got Cincinnati at home after that. I think the Packers are just done. Chicago, I I'm going to I'm going to say 13 is realistic i will agree i think it's been a while since i felt like a division wow. that didn't involve roethlisberger uh, uh manning or brady so let's just talk about the nfc here because the afc has been dominated by those guys but where it was so clear which teams are great and which teams aren't and i think there are three great teams in the nfc now i'm going to drop the rams out after they got beaten down by the vikings maybe they were a little bit fugazi uh but i'm going to say that it's new orleans Yes, I love using that. It's New Orleans, Philadelphia, yep. and the Vikings. Just agree or disagree, because i got to go on the air. Disagree. I'm going to say Philadelphia 1, uh, Vikings 2, same three. Okay, Judd. Thank you very much, and thank you all for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for 2, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 